Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. What about this idea that I've had of starting this episode with a game of good tweet, bad tweet? Oh, yes. We debated this. We then decided that, of course, to do that, we would have to go scrounging around on the internet for shitty things that people have said about us and decided we do not have the thickness of skin for that. But I really want to tell them about the good tweet we got. Then how about I set it up like this? Okay. We are not those people, so we cannot do good tweet, bad tweet. So we're just instead going to blatantly, grotesquely tell you about a really nice thing that someone said. Good tweet! Arian Moyad, who plays Stewie oh, in I know Succession. Who he plays. I know who he plays. Saturday afternoon, uh-huh. 2.58 p.m., my favourite hashtag succession podcast, Fire Crotch and Normcore. Incredible. Is it too much if I were to offer him a suck suck on his dicky dick? Oh, Sarah, too much, too much, too much. All right, let's open the kimono. Why don't you give me your brain dumps for this episode? Number one, to me, the the, the if we have to boil down mo- uh, episodes to moments, it's Colin and Kendall, and Colin says, I know you to Kendall. Okay. And we all know what he means. And Colin is Logan's body man, his security guard, he's Sarah's big crush on the show. It's not even just that he's my big crush, it's that... He does his job so He's well. He's so capable. He's so capable. And even in that scene, we saw a whole other... We saw the... we. He looked like he was going to kill him. And then he walked in and then he played this emotional card. And it was scary and wonderful. I just burped. I had a sliced tomato with some salt and olive oil before we recorded this, if anyone's interested. What a delicious lunch that suggests a functional relationship with food. Oh, I know. My relation. I, I also had a caddy roll, and that was my, okay. Okay, that's better. My appa- not my appetizer. My if you eat a small bite after a full lunch, anyway, <laughs> what do you call that a chaser? A chaser. I had a tomato chaser to a, a food wrap. Okay. At the event, the big journalism gala mm. that we see Kendall going to. Yeah. Fuck the patriarchy. Fuck the patriarchy. That was one of the most uncomfortable. The show that excels at uncomfortable moments. That really was one of them, wasn't it? That moment made me wonder if if Kendall, the character, looks at guys like Elon Musk and thinks, hey, those dudes don't play by the rules and they're doing just fine. Anyway, uh, he's wearing a badge. Yes. And, and I couldn't quite see what it was, but it was a, a bearded face. And I would really appreciate somebody telling me what that badge is, what it signifies. Oh, dump as question. Yes. Um, I wanted to say that very generally, I felt that last week what we were watching with Kendall was 
the boy becoming the king. And that has gone so out the door this week. He seems to be just descending into chaos. And so I retract my previous statement. Because what, what we were really were saying was hubris. Yeah. You know, he just seems to be exactly the guy that he was in the pilot episode where we see him like listening to rap as he rolls around in his car. I think if I was appointed to be Kendall's life coach, the first thing I would say to him is anytime that you, Kendall, get the impulse to listen to hip hop or involve yourself in hip hop in any way, it's going to go poorly for yeah, you. This is a bad moment for you. Always, always with, without fail. And did you, when you see Kendall walking down the corridor after reading that press release from Shiv and then collapsing in a heap on the floor of that racks room or whatever it was, mm. Did you think, there he is, there's our, there's our guy. There was something about me that just felt pleased to see this haunted, broken man back. Finally, Mondale the dog. What is the significance of the name Mondale? I think there was a vice president. Jimmy, there was a Jimmy vice... Carter had a vice president. Yes, who then ran with the first ever... So he picked, I think it was Geraldine Ford as his running mate. So the first time a woman was in either a vice presidential or presidential candidate position. And then I think he lost horribly Uh to Reagan. But why would they name their dog after a loser? R.I.P. And we do our Sprinkles episode on a Friday, which is your email. And we were saying this week that the email has just been astonishing. We get so much great email and and we really appreciate you taking the time to share your your, your theories and your queries. I would like to go one step further. Mm -hmm. So we've already had great written contributions. I would like now to ask for an artistic contribution oh i would like one or maybe more of our more creative listeners to Uh see if they can do an artist's impression of the picture that the liberal media use when they want to portray connor as being untrustworthy where he has a ponytail oh jeff that's a great request and maybe if we get several we could we could have some kind of competition great we could award the connor prize so we're asking for connor with a ponytail the email address Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And that is the, the general email address that we would love to hear from you on as well. Uh, if you uh, gave the Sprinkles episode a skip, we will point out it is an optional. Yeah, that's it is, it is optional. optional. You don't need it. Uh, but but um, last week we heard from Logan Roy's body double. Is it a body double? No, not a stuntman exactly, but the stand-in on yeah, set. Yeah, stand-in, that's the word. It was Tim Wilson. We were so excited to hear from the man who dons that cardigan while they're figuring out how to oh. shoot Brian Cox as Logan Roy, how to get those camera angles correct. Incredibly exciting. Um, and we also received a tweet from Lucy Preble. It was greater than, than when our son was born that moment. I think she is Jerry to Logan. In the succession setup. Yes, that's how close we're talking. Yeah, and uh, and and she had a, something nice to say about a podcast. Who knows if she was just being kind, but we were We don't care. Grateful. I mean, we care, you know, one situation is better than the other, but <laughs> with someone like Lucy Preble, if she's just being kind to us, I'll take kindness, even if there's a lack of creative respect, really. So that has all been exciting, but as has the, the level of insight and analysis from our listeners into the characters, especially into um, Roman's sexual psychology it really was some gold star stuff last week yeah i feel that it's been solved definitively and we should mention who we have coming up for a chat about succession this week do you think it'd be fair to describe him as a a bootleg ross with a daddy complex no you know who he is is he's when you when i was first getting into stand-up in the uk and you were trying to think of people you thought you were spectacular uk comedians to show me the embarrassment of riches in the uk stand-up scene you went there's this guy named mark watson We've got to go see him. And we did. And he was brilliant. 
That's who we had the honor of chatting to this week. How's your headspace? Oh, mine's pretty good. How's yours doing? It's kind of same as usual, as per. <laughs> not Let's great. not get into that. <laughs> I loved what I loved about that is how it showed that, of course, they all obsessively read the interview that he did. Well, actually, as we get into the episode, and I think we'll we'll divide it into maybe like Team Kendall okay. and then Team Waystar because it, it seemed to flip between the two, yes, to a large extent this week with with very little peripheral stuff. Oh my God! Imagine the scene. When we eventually get to see Kendall and Logan together again. There was a moment, wasn't there, where where actually where your boy Colin came into the office, it was directed in such a way as it let us think for a couple of seconds, is this Logan walking into the office? Mm-hmm. They know how to play they with us, this show. Us. I felt that one of the themes for Kendall of the whole episode was one of my favourite psychological slogans, the bigger the front, the bigger the back. Oh, yeah, you love that one. Yeah. So I read that once in a book. The idea is that, like... The more Kendall says things are great, the more that's an indication that things really aren't great. And I think it's such a true part of human behavior. And I think we saw it constantly in this episode from him. Oh, it made me so sick every time he was on screen. Would you have liked to have been in that limo? Oh. (laughs) Do you think I can talk about my Paris Hilton stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. So basically, in my mid-20s, a friend of mine was in a film with Paris Hilton. And so one night, all of the worlds converged and they were in New York. And my friend was like, I'm hanging out with Paris at this club. You should come. And I was like, oh, I should do this. I should go hang out with Paris Hilton one night. And it was so disgusting and upsetting. It in was what way? So it's really, really disturbing to watch up close... This is not the only time I've borne witness to this, okay? But it's the only time that I'm comfortable talking about it because the bridges can be burned between Paris and I. I once went into a, a, a toilet stall after her. Oh, you've said this, and it smelled of terrible shit. Awful, yeah, Like really, she'd taken, yeah. she looks like a lady who could really drop a deuce, eh? <laughs> Don't you think she does? Like, I think there are women whose bodies are worked at very hard mm. through eating and exercise, and that can also mean that you, like, can really fucking fart like a monster. But the point is that watching someone surrounded by yes people is an absolutely grotesque thing to witness firsthand. And I thought, you know, that was exactly what that looked like. I thought the guy who turned out to sort of be like a half watch salesman who was in there with and just the sycophancy of it all. And by the way, that's exactly who I would be. I would absolutely play along. I'd be too afraid not to. But I found it stomach churning but wonderful i guess with kendall he's experienced that before socially many many times because of his his wealth and power and his surname but then he's got this added factor at the moment that he's all over the news and all over twitter and we 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 see him coming down the other side but he's been on this crest of a wave where he's kind of some hero and i wonder if he's ever known that kind of popularity Public popularity. You can't imagine that he has. You sort of, you know, when we start off in season one, that's the sense that you get, isn't it? That, like, Kendall is ultimately sort of seemingly more of a grown-up than Roman. But Roman knows what it means to be liked. He knows how to move around the world. And that Kendall just doesn't, he just doesn't have it. And now, before anyone really has a chance to get to know him, he gets to seem likable for, like, a second. But it's going to go so quickly, isn't it? And it's so heartbreaking to watch him think that he's in on the joke of himself Oh, on that Sophie's Late Night talk show. Well, this was a question that I had. Did you feel that, like, 
when he's going, you know, all in all the moments where he goes, no, 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 this is great. This is being part of the conversation. This is great. Is that a man trying to convince himself or does he genuinely, is, is he genuinely so naive that he's just sat there going, all publicity is good publicity? I think it's somewhere in between the two in that I don't think, I think Kendall is sort of humorless, but thinks he has a sense of humor. Yes. If he hears people laughing at something and it's on this cool hip talk show, he, he can understand being part of a conversation, but he can't actually connect to what's funny about being roasted or what's funny about but what's being said. But he's so desperate to be the person who understands that. Yes. But he's, he's pretending. So then when he's telling that crowd of people at the party, it's all right, you can laugh. And then when they start laughing, you can see it start to hurt him. It's so painful. Yeah. Do you know, she um she had to audition for that role. So Who's she's called she? Z-Way, who plays the late night talk show oh, host who yes, plays yes, Sophie. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Because she's she's become this uh, internet phenomenon over over the last year. And she has like these incredibly popular viral videos. And it felt like they'd written that part for her. That's fascinating. I was sure that they just went, oh, you know who we should see if yeah. we could get. Yeah. Z-Way. Yeah. I'll tell you what else I, th- I thought was notable. The stuff with the watch. Kendall, he's so used to that life of unimaginable wealth that he he doesn't understand the concept of someone like Greg not Can being I- able to drop 40 grand on a watch. Because the language is so specific, wasn't it? It was like, I'll hook you up. Yeah. He met with a... A great watch dealer. A dealer. And ta- uh, and Greg very understandably thought he meant actually buying him a watch. Yes. And then I think Greg does buy the watch, right? Yeah, I think he does because we, we, see, we see him talking to Comfrey in a, in a later scene. How does he do it? Does he chart? Where, where where does Greg get 40 grand? Well, they just, just put it on a card, right? I don't have a... Do people have cards that they can charge 40 grand onto? Yeah, we know Greg has a gold card. We know he has some kind of uh, Amex gold card because he, he mentioned okay. having his mum as a co-sign on it. Right, do you right. think, though, the, the situation with the watch provokes Greg to tell Tom... Oh, that's that, that so Kendall's on the way in. No, that didn't occur to me, although I think it's a good shout, as you would say. I just figured we were seeing that Greg will play every side. But you think it was? You think it was watch-related? No, I think what you're saying is probably more likely, but I did, I did wonder if um, it was a, an act of small revenge from the, uh, what do we call him, the leggy princeling of ATN. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. What did you think? So the moment that Kendall decides to go into Waystar offices, Mm. what prompts that? I think it's cumulative rather than an inciting incident. Mm. I think he's feeling bolstered by everything that's going on. And he's constantly thinking, okay, what's my next power play? Mm -hmm. He he kind of says as much to Lisa on the phone on the way in. And any time, because you know that she is so smart and can strategize this and is trying to figure out... And is not one of his yes people. Yeah, and is trying to keep him out of jail and do exactly what he's asked of her, which is destroy his father, keep him safe, keep the company in family hands, all that. That's what she's working on. And to receive that phone call from him saying, I've got to go in. It's so anxiety producing anytime he ignores what she has to say. It was like watching um, an addict. And I mean, he is drinking again, isn't he? Yeah. Should Kendall have gone on the show? I'm going to call it the Z-Way show. (laughs) Should he have gone on the Z-Way show? Oh, God, it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, he he wasn't going to do well on the show. The question is... Would the press release from Shiv have made his appearance on that show even more awful, or would it just been bad regardless? 
Or would it have been some opportunity for him to seem sympathetic? But he doesn't really have the emotional mobility to navigate something like that, I don't know. The man that I saw today is fucked no matter what. Do you think it's better to be a present punch bag? Yeah, than to look like a coward. Yeah. I think in the Kendall camp, we are perhaps seeing a little bit more proof that we're going to see a blossoming romance between Greg and the Twitter lady. Comfrey. Comfrey. Played by Dasha Nekrasova, who is a hip New York thing... Yeah, uh, who uh, hosts a podcast? I bet it's excellent. People in glass houses. I'm American. I don't do sarcasm. <laughs> I think it's. A th- I think it's a thing. I don't think the. You know, it's not just someone with a podcast. I think it is a, a podcast. I'm not making fun to. of it for not being a thing. Okay. I'm wondering if it would be for me. That's all. I'm. That's what I'm. You're so annoyed at me. <laughs> Might have to be such a cunt. <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me annoyed. Um, she's really, she's really good on the she's show. Great. I think she's fantastic, beautifully cast. Okay, there's, there's, there's one thing that I'm a bit confused about with Kendall that I still want to bring up. How did Remy get those speakers into the building to disrupt the town hall meeting without it causing some kind of red flag with Colin's excellent security team? This is a great question. I think we felt differently about that scene. Mm. I think it was Kendall at, in a way, at his best and most powerful, that stunt. I thought it was a bit of a stroke of genius from him. I thought it really undermined Chev. Yeah. And I also thought it was kind of a, a, a dick move. Well, of course it's a dick move, but it's supposed to be a dick move. There was nothing particularly clever about what he did. It wasn't supposed to be clever. It was supposed to... Fu- I mean, I don't it was know a, what it was, a power, was. It was a power grab. It was a it, power grab. It, was, it destroyed yeah. what she was trying to yeah. do. Yeah, it was very effective. It was very effective. So I just thought it was like, again, the only moment in this episode where I thought he seemed like a king. So I want to say that. Mm. As to how the logistics of it could possibly have worked, do we have to have an inside man? Well, he said to Remy, I've got a shopping list for you, which made me think that he sent Remy out to get the speakers. But, but what it's I'm then difficult to imagine Remy bringing those speakers back into the An inside man on the security team at Waste Royco. Oh, you don't think it was the guy who... Uh, hey, Kendall you're was... carrying stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, horrendous. Just horrendous. So in actual fact, it's possible that by Logan humiliating Kendall by making him come up in the goods left, actually did Kendall a favour because it made it possible for him to get those speakers in. Yes, all of this stuff seems very impressive to me if Kendall is strategizing on that level. Yeah. But what a moment. And I loved Sarah Snook's acting in it. Shout out to her performance. Because I thought she was... Did you feel that up until the point that Rate Me started playing... We, were you getting the vibe that she was doing a very good job? I thought she was really competent. Yeah. I thought she was competent. Yeah. Why don't we go back? Why don't we go back and talk about what happens in, I don't know if it's Camp Logan, Camp okay. Waystar. So one of my first questions is very early on after the opening credits, when we see the scene with Jerry and there's a Pinocchio reference. What did you take from that? Was Were you assuming that, that um, are we watching a power struggle? Like, are we watching Jerry trying to do a little bit more than perhaps anyone at that company is going to be comfortable with? And further to that, at the end of the episode, when we see um, Roman come to Logan's office and Logan sort of makes fun of him about that article, more on which later. I love you, daddy. I love you, daddy. And then he says the F word. Mm, I mean, it's such a mm, thing. The other F word. Oh, yeah. I don't think a fuck is the F word. (laughs) Does anyone? Um, 
And we, I, you know, Jerry is still there. She's, she's the other person. We see her still in the office. So I was sort of wondering what you were making of Jerry. She was making a decision on something because she's thinking, I, I'm experienced, I'm qualified, that there has to be an element of running the company that's just left to me. Straight away, you see Carl Bulk at that. Mm. And then there's that thing with Logan about the Pinocchio, which is, I read it as, you've got to be careful with the puppet that comes to life because sooner or later it's not about the strings you're pulling, they start doing their own thing. But then Logan really kind of put her in her place. No hovering. Yeah, no hovering. Um, Over the FBI thing, I thought she came at him quite aggressively, but I'm not sure that would have been different had she not been CEO. I think... Oh, right. No, I I didn't make that association that that was about. It was just sort of like, and I loved, I don't know if we're going to all over the place, but I love... I loved the moment where he just turns. So we see that big, wide back that we love so much. And we just know that, like, he's... Everyone's screaming. Everyone's panicking. Roman's eyes are on the floor the whole time. And it's like, the big, big daddy's going to have to be big daddy right Mm. now. He's making all the decisions by himself. I just thought that was her conveying to him the fact that all this like maybe i don't do that dance maybe this those moments are all over and this is real there's nowhere to go now except to jump out yes yeah what did you make at that journalist what do we call it the journalistic conference some kind of excellence in journalism awards or evening a gala a gala yeah um, what did you make of the return of nate shiv's ex i thought it's completely superfluous and then they won't come back to it at all I mean, obviously, the, the, we, we, what, what is great is we didn't see something happen in that episode, which is what a lot of shows would do. But they're reminding us that he's around and he's going to come into play maybe next week or the I week after. I wonder yep. if it was... So now that we know where the episode ends, with, yep. with Shiv having done this very cruel, albeit justified thing to Kendall. Yes. So she's been like, oh, absentee dad, addict, all this stuff. And I wondered, does Kendall get to watch Shiv flirt with Nate? So so you're, you're asking, is Kendall then going to weaponize Shiv's past? Yes. You, listen, I just want to say, if anyone were to come see me on a stage or you on a stage, I'm like so much better than you. Right? I'm yeah, better yeah, yeah, than I'm you. A, I'm a very uncomfortable You're uncomfortable presence. on a stage. Yes. But sometimes you're so much more succinct than I am. And I, I feel th- embarrassed about it sometimes. Well, I think it's what the world teaches us. I think the world has taught you that you're a very interesting person no, to listen no, no. to. No, no, no. I feel like I need to say no. what I've got to say and, and get it over no, and done with quickly a, before it's, people it's a professionalism that turn I on me. So anyway, I just wanted to say that I know. And then is what happens in that scene then between Kendall and Shiv that Kendall realizes that Shiv is only there to manipulate him you know, he sort of does this mea culpa. I he says, I apologize for what happened at Rava's house. Right. Which um, is for sale, by the way, in oh real God. life. Is there any world in which this podcast could become successful enough so that we could buy it? And we then... could do a crowdfunder. Should we do a crowdfunder so that we could? What, is it, what does it cost? Like 15 million? Keep going. 40 million? $23 million. Okay. So could it's we? It's in Tribeca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Terrace, five bedrooms, six skylights, soaring ceilings panoramic views i think the listeners would want us to have that (laughs) but that's what we should do we should crowdfund 23 million yeah but how would we support ourselves panhandling an option why don't we crowdfund for 40 million 
which is enough to buy the place and then not work. I mean, I think if we're going in for 40 million, we should maybe make it 60 and get a nice place in the Hamptons. I agree. I'll do it. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? I was saying the the apology was for what happened. Oh, at right. So the point is, is he 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 does something sort of as sincere as he is capable of, only to then figure out he's been, she's there to manipulate, and he's there to do something sincere, and then oof, he's angry and he's done. Mm. When Roman is doing that interview, or he sort of sat down to field these questions. Um, that he volunteers to, to answer and then sort of shuts them all down, which shout out to the actor playing that journalist. He is my new oh my number God. one You're succession. You're so predictable. I'm so predictable. I looked at that guy and I thought I should be Googling who he is, whether he's married, what Here's he's what been I'm in, thinking. whether he's from Highland Park, Illinois. <laughs> We've now like, been together for 10 years. Yeah. No cheating that either one of us knows about. So I thought I, but you're you're also a big um, Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. Mm. And there was that thing when when Larry had been with Cheryl Cheryl for 10 years where he's like, oh, I get to. So I was wondering, because it's been 10 years of fidelity, could I, could I try it on with that um, guy, do you think? I can't. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what Cheryl says to Larry, but it's along the lines of "Go for it, yeah. You, you go for you. You, yeah. you give that a shot. You go knock try yourself that. out." And you're saying, Terry, yeah, well, why, yeah, why, yeah. why don't you see if you can score? Yeah, why don't you with come at that guy on social media and see see where it upcoming goes? Upcoming actor. Well, I'd probably be okay if I came at him on social media because I could just put up all the right photos. It would be when he met me in life, before no. I've saved up enough money to get my real under eye surgery. That's going to change my face and my life. <laughs> and he'd be like, "Whoa, busted!" No. But um. But how come you're allowed to make comments about how you're no one's type and all this shit, but then I'm not allowed to do it? I think I'm sort of honest about what I look like, and I think you're a bit sort of dysmorphic about what you look like. Well, that's sweet of you to say, but I do. Oh, if could I could I crowdfund for five thousand pounds to get a um a surgery to my face that gets rid of my under eye bags that I've had since I was ten? I'd, I'd go for a bit more than that. I think that that's probably your entry level surgeon. Oh no no no, it's not. I've spoken to someone. It's my top level. <laughs> it's my top level surgeon, and I want to get it done at Christmas. And this because then I need I need to be off stage for two weeks. What lovely Christmas memories that would create for our son. Oh what God! Beautiful photos you'd have aye, of whatever aye, Christmas aye, that would be. I haven't thought about it from the perception of my son. Oh, God, it's terrible. All right, let me just get back on track. This is getting too depressing. So so Roman goes into this interview with this guy, and he sort of knows the job he's there to do why the shutting down of every question where he's like this is dumb that's dumb that's dumb was was that about the fact that he was sort of rifling through quickly every possible answer and realizing how sad his childhood was and getting and and that's sort of what prompts the walkout rather than the actual stupidity of the questions no, you think that's no, no. And over... I'm, just, I'm just thinking about it because then there's that other scene a little later with Hugo and Carolina prepping the questions for the town hall meeting, and Shiv and Roman are having a very similar response to those questions, and I, I took that to be some kind of entitlement on their part that what what real people, what little people, what no real person involved types have have to ask or are curious about. It just doesn't occur to them and they don't even think that people should be asking those questions. I think everything you just said plus yes. a layer that Roman knew that that moment that sort of closed out the episode with him being mocked by his father was going to come for him. Right, yeah, okay, brilliant. I, th- I, think, you're I right. think he always knew that was going to happen. And he was like trying to find the least humiliating thing. And that even by picking something that didn't involve his dad, 
was his way of sort of trying to not be called all the names and all the mockings that he then had to endure in that scene. Slash, he's being an entitled prick who's rude to people. I get it how weird it is to express genuine emotion in a family context, but it's so brutal in the Roy's. I think it's worth it for all that money. (laughs) I, I mean it. Okay. I need, and I don't like asking this, but here we go. I need a little bit of the Tom stuff explained to me. When he's talking to Logan on the floor of... ATN's news studio then goes out immediately to make a call. It feels like, oh, some entrapment gone on there. Is he secretly recording Logan? But there was nothing Logan said, I don't think, that Mm. is incriminating. This isn't Greg when they're burning the papers trying to say... And again, it doesn't... I don't think it's a show that doesn't show us things. So so had he been recording him, I think we would have known that sort of quote-unquote in real time. But what changes for Tom in that conversation? Nothing. But 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 something something must because he needs that conversation before he can make whatever call it is that he makes. The only theory I've got on what that call could be is... There was something that led the FBI to raid the offices at the end of the episode. And in in that bit where they're, they're kind of panicking about whether to let them in quietly or not, there's a suggestion that it was Logan's conversation with Michelle, the presidential aide, that spooked the Department of Justice. Was Tom maybe tipping off someone at the Department of Justice? Is Tom trying to get himself some immunity that's a good theory. He saw that Logan was about to have this conversation with her. That's that's dynamite. I like that theory. Mm, thanks. Well, something to look forward to. Just while we're on Tom, <laughs> I really loved when Kendall arrives at Waystar Royco and goes to hug him, and Tom doesn't want to be seen to be hugging back, hugging him back, and then what he kind of does with his hands to right. avoid it being a hug. A beautiful physical <laughs> performance. Um, as a as a stage performer. What would you have? Yes, you. What would you have done if you'd have been Shiv? Oh, you mean once the music starts playing? Yes. Once the rape me started coming in, I thought that what she should have done is paused. So there's a moment where she goes, Hugo, but then she tries to continue speaking. And I think at that moment, she should have gone, I'm so sorry, guys. Obviously, this wasn't planned. We're going to pause for a second, figure out the source of this, and see you guys soon. Thank you so much for coming. If she'd handled it in that exact way, would she have felt humiliated? Less humiliated, I believe. Then maybe she wouldn't have ended up writing that press release. No, I think the press release was coming no matter what. Do you not think it's the shame of standing there on a stage, having something completely disrupt what you're trying to do? Yes, but it's like like everyone's anxiety dreams, standing there and and, and it all going wrong in front of hundreds of people. But it was the rage that Kendall made it happen. I I think that was going to happen no matter what. Have you ever spite spat on anything? Oh, great question. No. Have you ever spite spat? No, no, never. I don't really have that to me. Oh my God, Jeff. You I've got have, rage. I've got you rage. You have rage like I've never seen anybody rage, else. But, yeah. Other than my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are our thoughts. I, I feel like there are dozens of questions in there mm. that, that need answering. And you might be listening to this and either have answers or you might have even more questions. And we would love to get to as many of those as possible on Friday Sprinkles. Please do share your thoughts. The email address is... I'm going to hit, do this really neutrally. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. I think you've really uh, disappointed a few people who were looking forward to 
Oh, okay. One of your full-throated ones. You mean you tell me the fans are asking for it? Okay. (laughs) Fuck off at firecrotchonnormcore.com. And coming up next, we talk succession with writer and comedian Mark Watson. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here to join our succession huddle this week. We are thrilled. It's Mark Watson. Hello. Hi. Hi, both of you. Hi, Mark. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Joe. So I, I wanted to start by telling you the, the succession character I think you are most similar to. Uh-huh. And then then seeing whether you agree with me or not. And we, we can discuss how I got there. Yeah, okay. So I think you are the most similar to Logan. Why? I didn't expect that. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, f- I kind of feel like everyone feels like Greg deep down. Um, okay, so well, I'd like to know your. I'd like to know your okay. reasoning, uh, obviously, because uh, Logan, of course, um, as everyone listening will be aware, is a kind of um, uh, uh, troubled plutocrat, uh, high status but also vulnerable. Um, Everyone's scared of him. The main way that I diverge from Logan is that everyone is sort of terrified of what he'll do in that kingly sort of way, whereas virtually no one on this earth, including my children, <laughs> gives a shit what I say or do. <laughs> so I'd like to see you square those things up, Jeff. It's, it's three-pronged. Number one, love of a game. We know ah, okay. uh, Logan loves uh, bore on the floor. There was a scene in the first episode where he wanted the game after his birthday party where they go and play the softball. I think there was another dinner where he, he suggested a game, perhaps. And, and you are somebody who many of your shows have revolved around games. You invented this, this, this game, No More Jockeys, during lockdown. So I think that is a similarity. I do love games, it's true. I'd forgotten that bore on the floor business. That was horrible, wasn't it? I mean, structurally, what did you think of that as a game? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a game with 
the legs in it that, for example, Kaplunk has, definitely. I, I don't see it becoming a Christmas family favourite. What, what, what do you think he gets out of game playing? Because he doesn't seem like a fun guy. I suppose the thing with the game is, if you're the referee or the boss of it, like Logan is, then that's kind of fun. Because even, you know, like, any time you're in charge of any sort of game, even with just your children, your, your, your infant children, you do sort of enjoy the feeling of, like, right, I'm in charge, you've won, no, you've won. It, it is fun, and uh, Logan's created a situation where everyone's lives revolve around a game to win his favour, I suppose. Do you feel that that underscores your own game relationship or that's not quite what does it for you? I, I think it might be that, I mean, this is this is probably not the same as Logan. Maybe it is, I don't know. We're talking about him like he's a real guy, of course, but that's the, <laughs> we're all really invested in this. <laughs> that's, that's the genius that's of it, that we can sit psychoanalyzing fictional characters for hours on end. I totally believe they're all real, yeah. And if I yeah. met any of those people, I, I would think they were the characters, not the actors, almost without exception. Even people like Brian Cox that you've seen before. But we were saying the other week, like, everybody calls Connor Cameron at some point or other. He, he's the one it's unavoidable to at some point not think, oh, look, it's Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Now, you say this, but embarrassingly, I didn't, I didn't realise this. Uh, you didn't realise? No, until the other day. The other day I was... Um, just googling the succession cast in the bath um, <laughs> there was a uh, there was a break of several days between episodes of course these days we have to watch the, the fucking things one at, one at a time <laughs> like in the old days and um, so I was trying to sort of slake my succession thirst by just um, googling just looking them up on Wikipedia the various people like someone's doing and that was the first moment I realised who Alan Ruck uh, is wow um, because well, I think because, basically, I think I'm in denial about how much time has passed since then. But to come back to Sarah's question, I think what I get out of games is, you know, I've quite a kind of uh, a chronically sort of neurotic uh, relationship with life in general, think too much about everything, worry too much about all of it. And so if you're heavily emotionally invested in a game like football or any game, I really, really care who wins for, like, for that hour or two hours. But the other part of your brain is like, this is fine. This no one really cares about. I it. think that is what we get out of TV because we, we we have no interest in sport. I know that, yeah. I, and and yeah. I think we get that out of out of TV. It gives it gives it's structure to life. It's, it's yeah. Even though there's meaning. no real jeopardy, even in a in a game, you don't know who's going to win. Whereas somebody somewhere knows how these episodes are, are going to play out. They've been delivered and edited. Um, and it brings me on actually to the, the another way. In which I think you were like Logan. Yes, because, you, did, you, you know, did use the phrase three pronged, which uh, it was you know, three pronged. <laughs> this is this is pronged, impressive pronged, way uh, of setting out an argument. Prong prong number two. Um, Logan, of course, is a, is a football fan. His team is Hibs. You you uh, yours yours is Bristol City. Um, now Roman. We saw at uh, the end of uh, Series 1, I think, or it might have been when we went back to Dundee, accidentally bought Logan the wrong team. He yeah, bought Hearts, who, who were the rival. It's right, in Series team. 2, where, when they're knocking about in Scotland. That's right. He, he, uh, he, he gets caught up in a bid for the rival team. Yeah. And, and I, I just wondered, as a football fan, wouldn't it just be awful to own your favourite team? Y- yeah, it's funny. A lot of, there was a time when football clubs were owned by... But Elton, Elton John, famously. Yeah, that's right, Elton John at Watford, for example, wealthy fans, like fans who'd got wealthy enough to do that. And um, it's funny, like, I, I, we, I was talking about this the other day, if, if I had, I was, talk, I was bemoaning my team and how bad they are recently, and, and the question came up, if you, 
if he did have whatever it was, 50 million, it's probably more than that. Like, what would it cost to own a football club? Then would you want to do it? And um, the answer is probably not because you you probably don't want anything more invested in something like that like that than you already have and of, and of course Logan if he'd have wanted to own that football team he could have done it years ago it's not like a thoughtful gift oh dad would, would really like this but he's never seen it himself no this is the interesting thing I think about about the level of wealth that succession presents like uh, Logan as you say could he c- could and certainly like the Scottish League is not really the same level of money so a guy like Logan can buy that club for sure but again you sense that he wouldn't get any pleasure out of it and this is one of the things you know about one of the defining things about it uh, no one in the show enjoys having their wealth because they um, because all all they do with it is pursue more wealth or it's sort of cliche obviously that money uh, of itself doesn't make you happy but it is interesting to see the way Succession presents it is really interesting I think like all of them are uh, wealthy beyond the dreams of the viewer so we shouldn't really give a shit about any of them it's really skillfully done I think let's third prong it you like Logan spent part of your childhood in Canada <laughs> yeah that works what yeah. I mean it's, it's like you're the same person so basically you're the same person what is that what does that do what does a portion of a childhood spent in Canada cook into someone well Logan and I have again come at this from different ways um <laughs> my uh yeah, my dad's a teacher, or he's retired now, and uh, he did a, a job swap with a Canadian teacher when I was very small. So I did spend a year, and my first memories are of growing up in, in rural Canada, in fact. Um, Logan doesn't seem like he spent that much time at watermelon eating competitions and rodeos and stuff, which are, these are my first first memories of, of life on Earth. Um, there's definitely a sense that Logan comes from... Um, something he wants to leave behind really badly. And mm. you see his contempt for Dundee when they go back there. What do you think, um, what do you think the purpose... We were just discussing, like, what the purpose of Ewan is or what his motivation is. Because the, the show is too clever for him just to be mm. the, the ideologically good guy who is opposed to his brother. He certainly functions really well plot-wise as a... You know, Greg is caught in this pincer between him and um, Logan, and that's fun. Um yeah, he's like a cracked mirror image of Logan, but he doesn't seem like he's there to make you think, oh, that's how Logan could have been. Because he's also, you feel really like gloomy every time he appears on screen. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, I feel gloomy yes, when I have exactly to watch it, yeah. him. Yeah. Do you, Mark, when you're talking about your childhood, do you, um, do you have siblings? Uh, yes, I'm the oldest of four. <gasps> so you're the Connor. Oh my God, you're, you're the, the Connor. Connor. <laughs> it's how I see myself. Yeah. Oh, are we seeing a realistic representation of four siblings as you know it? What feels the most? Uh, what, what, what are the to age difference? What are the age differences between you all? I've got a, a brother that's four years younger, um, and and I and then there's two sisters, twins. In fact, identical twins who are. Um, considerably younger than than me like they're seven years younger than my brother so i'm like they're 30 now i'm 11 years older than them but i think uh, my position in the group is more like is more like kendall like the one on whose shoulders the expectations are but there's no acrimony really between in fact i'm really pretty close to the siblings and so yeah for me it's exciting to watch sibling groups tear each other apart because it's not but, but, it's no, but, it's, but you couldn't have a closer relationship that i think you and your brother are extremely close in a very sort of healthy functional way and, and yet 
I think you recognise elements of sibling dynamic that goes beyond just siblings who have difficult relationships with each other. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's that sort of, it's that closeness and the sort of, like, it's just, it's the, the way it represents that no one else really knows you as well. Yeah. I think it does such a good job with that. In yeah. The, in the Roy sibling dynamics, Mark, who do, who do you think the two closest are? I, I, it does actually feel like um, Roman and Shiv are the, kind of the only two who sort of have anything in common or no that's not right they've all got stuff in common whether they like it or not but like you see these moments of almost united by having not been ken for 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 their lives seeing ken as kind of not the enemy exactly but he is very isolated from them and that that feels like it will never change and this is the good thing about it really it, they, the, they, all of them are awful to each other. But just occasionally, between, particularly between Siobhan and Roman, and also between other configurations, you just see enough sometimes to think. Because, like Sarah says, just by by being siblings, and especially by being siblings in a, a crazy family unit like that, you you have stuff in common that no one else can ever penetrate. So, something I wanted to ask you about, Mark, is uh, as well as uh, the comedy that you're known for, you, you've got this parallel career as a novelist and you've written a whole bunch of books. And I wondered, when you look at something like Succession, which is on one hand Jesse Armstrong's baby and, and there's, you know he, he runs the show, but you have a big old writer's room and you have people of the calibre of Lucy Preble or Georgia Pritchett or yeah. Tony Roche writing on that. Like, do, do you do you envy somebody having the ability uh, of these great writers to play with characters they've created, or would there be something about relinquishing the control? That it fascinates well me. Yeah, I think about it all the time because when I first heard about the American model of writing by team like that, I was very skeptical about it. Like most British people are, I couldn't imagine how. Partly because I myself don't have that temperament. I don't like being in a room. Uh, with people, you know, to use the word, phrase, bouncing ideas around. I find I much <laughs> the worst, the worst. I don't like it. Part of the reason I, I've never wanted to be on, I was never on writing teams for panel shows and stuff like that, even when I was at the level where that was like, sensible to do. I just didn't feel like it was my thing really. And uh, what I love about writing novels is being able to just shut yourself in a room and no one else has, no one else knows anything about it till it's done, basically. But that said, it must be amazing to be in a situation like this where the characters are now so well established that um, all of you know exactly who they are and it must be... So I, I imagine for someone like Jesse Armstrong it must be a wonderful situation to be in where you, you've created a world that is so real and vivid that as you say you can have this supreme squad of writers beneath you and they can execute your, essentially your will seamlessly but while also putting their own colour on it. Mark, you have two children. You also run a production company. Bringing it back to the combination, not the combination, the parallels between Logan Roy and Mark Watson, which of your children, as of today, <laughs> stands to be the clear successor to impatient productions? In terms of my children's succession, it's kind of easy, I think. The, the boy is older. He's four years older. But my daughter is... Clearly, he's not a killer. He's not a killer. He's not a killer, no. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I'll just check the... Do you think that Rose rather than Kit ideally would take over in patient? Right. We feel it should be the girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um... All right, so listen, our final question, then we're going to let you go. You have shares and voting rights, Mark, in Waystar You're Royco. on the board. You're on the board. Who are you voting for? I think I'm probably backing Jerry uh, 
which is an idea that's you know just being played with here because I, be- I basically think if I'm on that board and if I've been privy to the sort of some of what we've seen, I think my conclusion is that none of the siblings can ever rule without being fatally undermined by the rest of them. Yeah, I think I would probably back and move away from all of the kids and end the whole succession power game. But that is not in the interest of the viewer, for sure. No, no, but it's the most logical answer. And if she wants, she can have Roman as this kind of weird sidekick. But I oh, OK, I like that. Can we put that in? We're putting it in the books officially. Mark Watson, comedian, producer, writer, friend. Thank you so much for joining us and casting your votes and sharing your insights. It's been fun. I hope they sort it out soon. The last thing we want is for this... Succession. <laughs> we don't want this to drag on. God, no. They need to wrap it up in it as soon as possible for the good of everyone concerned. We're fairly much done here. I know that we each have a couple of things with, with nowhere to go, so uh, I thought we could plonk them in this end bit. Oh. I noticed a couple of things in the background on TV screens. Oh, go on. One was when Tom was doing his presentation to advertisers there was a video playing of various female Waystar Royco employees talking about what a positive and progressive place to work it is. Great. It was so good. And then I think when Hugo and Carolina were briefing uh, Roman and Shiv on questions, one of the, uh, the the headlines on ATN News was, do we really need to worry about robots being body shamed? <laughs> <laughs> God, so so wonderful. And it's real blink and you'd miss it stuff. What, 99.99999% of people who love that show and watch it wouldn't even notice it, and yet they're they're still putting that attention to detail into it. So good. I love you, Succession. i just like to rifle through some of my favorite, um, I was going to say lines, but I think it's more phrases from this week's episode. Open kimono, salty moves, clunk the trout on the head and put it in your pouch. Yes. Did they write these questions in crayon? Scrotumage sacking, last fucking eunuch in the Forbidden City, suck suck on my dicky dick. Arian Moyad can suck suck on my dicky dick. All right, all right. Hopefully, even if he does like the podcast, he wouldn't get this far into it. He'd never hear that. That's suck suck on my dicky dick. That's a bit much, Sarah. Arian, single multi-use happy childhood memory. That wasn't even everything. So we'll be back with sprinkles, Friday sprinkles, at the end of the week to tide you over. Uh, between then and the next episode on the telly. And, and, and I guess some questions that I think we need to have a think about and maybe answer on Friday Sprinkles this week, or certainly have a think about as we as we go into watching the next episode of Succession, is what is Tom up to? Yes, that's, ha- that's top of the leaderboard, as we say, if you're a Strictly Come Dancing fan. Your, your badge or pin, as the Americans would say, that Kendall is wearing when he goes to the gala or the gala. The FBI raid did something other than the fact that it's all over the news cause it. Was was it either Kendall or was it Tom or was it someone else? Uh, could that be bad for Waystar but in some way good for Kendall or is it just bad for everyone? Has he, has he got some kind of immunity? Oh, and also, this, this week, was this the first week in ages that we haven't even had a morsel of Jerry and Roman? Oh. And is that significant? Oh, and do you feel sad thinking about it? Of course. Yeah. They're the Niles and Daphne of this, aren't they? I don't understand that reference. You would know enough about pop culture to... to... Niles and Daphne? From Frasier. Oh, right, right, right. You know what I want in episode four, Jeff? A little more of my man Stewie! 